It's no secret that the 1980s was filled with American optimism. And whether that was deserved or not is a topic for another podcast, because when we get the results in cinema, it's just usually a rollicking great time. Like, think about Indiana Jones. Think about the second two Star Wars. Um, <laughs> just any... A, a Die Hard, Princess Bride, any of these movies where it's just a bunch of fun, and it doesn't mean it's uncomplicated or or simple, but it's, it's just something that's not trying to m- make you have long conversations afterwards about the meaning of life. They're, they're things that, if they give you pause, it's only for a couple of seconds before it's back to the fun. You can enjoy it for years to come, sure, but it's on a comfortable popcorn level and that's kind of what I like about today's movie where it's both fun and at times a little thoughtful but it never gets too deep in the weeds but it also doesn't seem like something that's like okay well I don't have to think about that ever again it's like you know what maybe I need to be a little bit more adventurous in my life that's as philosophical as you can get and I love it for that this is Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner just having a rollicking great time. Well, okay, it's not a great time. They're having, they're having, they're romancing the stone. That's what they're doing. What does that even mean? Romancing the stone. No, I still don't know. But enjoy. Ro- what does it mean? Baby, it's rom-com gents. Yeah, you love us so. Woo! I don't know baby, the rest of the words. Even so, I will watch go, baby. You know, you know what I was saying wasn't the actual words, oh. right? Like, oh, it's not, I never it's listened not a, to lyrics. You know that about me. I can't, I can't do lyrics. Sure, but you know, they. Well, maybe they did write. Maybe, maybe our podcast was uh, thought of long before it was a twinkle in our eyes. Either way, I think songs that use the word or term "baby" in it, I can no longer see as like your loving affection woman it's no an actual literal baby like britney spears is telling a little baby to hit her one more time like i don't know why but that's what she wants or that's how all i see or how but that's all i see when i hear baby i just see babies you know i think every song that has baby in it now is a song that we have sung to our baby that's right yeah yeah um speaking of babies i need some help on deadly advice i need your old d.a.d Unless a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Look, you're not going to be picking a fight, Dad. Dad, Dad, Daddy-o. Oh, Jonah, shut up! Shut up? Shut up? Mom never said shut up to me. No drinking, no drugs, no kissing, no tattoos, no piercings, no ritual animal slaughters of any kind. Oh, God, I'm getting them ideas. Well, maybe it's not even advice. Maybe it's just commiseration with me. I'll give you advice. Have a drink. <laughs> yeah. So we got this box. You saw this box upstairs just now. Um, oh my gosh, the one with the beans? It has beans in it now. <laughs> what, what did that? They're, okay, they're a bunch of dried beans. They're not a bunch of baked beans in just a box. Yeah. Dried <laughs> pinto beans in it now. Okay. But Ryan, there are starving children. Before, that's what I said, before it had rice in it. And we oh, had. A lot harder to pick up rice. Right. Yeah. And we had little things, and it's a sensory play 
bin extravaganza for Theo. And sure. he just shoves his hands in there and just gets his hands like, oh man, rice feels so weird. And he'd like dig through it and find treasure and like put his treks in there. Um, we left the door open to his room and we left the bin out. And Okay, first two mistakes. Doors open, bin out. Keep uh, going. I'm going to give you the third element. Okay. We have two cats. Cat. They saw a box okay. full of ricey things that can be dug up and moved around. This provides so much more context to me arriving at your house and you saying, there's poop everywhere. Not the cat's poop. This is a, That's a separate and isolated incident. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, I'm sorry then, because I thought that that really saved my perception saying, of your evening. There's, there's so many things going on in the baby's bedroom that are toilet related and... It's I can't I can't I can't I can't deal with it anymore. The cats peed in the rice box. We had to clean out the box and now replaced it with beans okay. to dissuade the cats from trying that one again. Okay, so what I'm gonna need from you is a question. What is what is the question you're gonna beg of me? And I'm gonna give you the best dad advice well, ever. Okay, that's the first incident. The second incident is tonight we were letting Theo hang out in his crib, listening to Raffi, and Sarah and I were resting our eyes in the bedroom because it's been a day. Mm-hmm. And usually Theo can just chill in his crib, play with his toys, look at his books, and listen to Raffi, and we'll just listen for him. If he gets upset, we'll go check on him. Mm-hmm. He had been... He's like, listening to Raffi is a euphemism. Let me tell you for what. <laughs> he had been significantly quiet for a little while, but he seemed fine. Mm-hmm. But after 10 minutes, I went to go in and check on him, and... There were feces just thrown and strewn about the room. So he's a quiet feces thrower. Yeah. Okay. Now he turned into a monkey okay. and just—I mean, he didn't decorate the place, but it wasn't where it was supposed to be. Okay. Now I, I feel for you, but let me let me just stop you right here and just say, sounds bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Smells bad, probably. Mm-hmm. However. Can we monetize this? Can we monetize this? Can we make this a business? Can't well, can't can maybe this be Theo's like you're looking into Theo's future always, right? He mm-hmm. kicks something, you're like, Are you a soccer player? Mm-hmm. He he does math at age two and you're like, Are you He has not done a math, math teacher? Yet. He's not gonna be he's not gonna be that. But he has thrown feces and dare I say very quietly. Yes. He's what a... is something that can combine the stealthiness that he exhibited here with also the lack of compunction and the the, the lack of decorum, the the <laughs> the horrible throwing of poo? What is what is a job or a money making opportunity that combines those two? Mm, Got to be a ninja baseball player, a ninja baseball player, or a nin- oh ninja garbage man. Ninja Garbage Man. Because he seems to be okay with, you know, those are the real heroes, Garbage Man. Thank you for all you do. The dirtiest job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> Micro comes in, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I feel like if, if you get him on a track now, he could be the, the great ninja garbage man <laughs> Just of, of our time tomorrow morning sarah comes down what are you doing <laughs> he's, got, he's in coveralls <laughs> I'm like what he's a ninja now <laughs> coveralls and a head mask so i'm is, sorry is your that, advice is basically like well, monet- my, my advice is when when all else fails and life seems monetize pretty shitty it. monetize it monetize it well 
Uh, how are you? How is how is your baby? Great. She's she today. She woke up from a nap going ah, <laughs> and Robin and I were like, "What's wrong?" And she's like, "I'm asleep." Ah. <laughs> It's and, a terrifying thing. And you so, think you have an exorcist situation on yeah, your hands when that happens. But no, we're we're doing pretty good. I'm I'm subsisting on a little bit of loss of blood because I had to get a blood draw. Um, Are you like sure you hour. don't want some coke? It's always helpful for when you lose blood. Well, I get nosebleeds actually from if, coke. I mean, oh, see, <laughs> <laughs> uh, relevant no, for tonight's movie. That's true. I Is mean, it? I mean, a little. The Colombian drug runners. Let's just yeah, yeah, okay. Code. I code. I know. I I might need some sugar. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to kiss you. I don't think I'll take any. <laughs> I don't think I'll take any Coke, but something. How about Coca Cola? No, no, that that's what I was talking. That one's about. That's right what up I was too. referring to. Okay. Um, the other one, I just wouldn't know. I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> what do I do? With I'd this? be like Michael Scott. <laughs> oh. So I guess you know I'm here. I need to purchase something. Like a fridge? No. But yeah, well, why, don't, why don't we talk about today's movie, Romancing the Stone? Oh, I'm going to tell you a story. Yeah, yeah, do that. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. So we open on a sexy cowboy scene, and we're getting oh, the sex. Well, yeah. So one person's sexy in this. Scene. Or <laughs> it's not even a cowboy scene. It's a um, what's the setting for the Harle- okay. Harlequin way ba- of saying I, it's it? bodice ripper old west. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a cowboy setup per se. They're on the range. There's like this woman with a sweaty, sweaty bodice. Yeah, and like. Ooh, it's so sexy. <laughs> I feel and, like it should just have like flash like male gaze intentional, male gaze <laughs> intentional. It's I mean, it's sexy. Both Robin and I were like, yeah, Woo! <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I at first I couldn't tell whether she was in distress or just it was really hot out. Right. But regardless. Yeah. And then, you know, this this evil man busts in and he's like, tell me where that whatever is. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not going to do it. And, and he's like, tell me or I'm going to I'm going to. Do stuff to you. Do stuff to you. And, and the whole scene is being narrated to us, by the way. It's being narrated by uh, the mellifluous tones of Kathleen Turner. Mm. and A.K.A. Chandler's dad. <laughs> yes, that's right. Wait, Chandler's dad it is? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I didn't know. Wait, does he dress up as Chandler's dad or does she actually play? She plays Chandler's dad in the show. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like that would be done differently these days. It would be. <laughs> Like basically, what happens is um, this guy's like, "I'm gonna kill you or rape you or something" because I'm a bad guy, right? And then she kills him with a knife, boom! And it's a good throw, and it it's one of those like jump cut throws, yeah, multiple penne, yeah. And then she escapes, um, but you know, there's there's all these other cowboys chasing after her, and she's like, "Ah, he's got brothers." And then she's saved by this faceless hero, faceless macho cowboy man, and they ride off together in the sunset. And he takes her off her horse because he's like, "You got chapped thighs, baby." Yeah, he's and from he's from New York, apparently. And it's very, um, it's very romance novel Fabio driven. Oh, yeah. kind of content for sure. Um, less hair than Fabio, right? But right. close. But but that's basically the story that we're being told. And then we cut to. 
Joan Wilder, Kathleen Turner is writing the story. Mm-hmm. She's crying because she's seeing, writing this ending. We're seeing the movie in her head of the book. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, pretty much that's how it goes for me. I think that's how it goes for you, kind of. I was astounded because, like, slapped in my ego. Like, I was sitting there and I was like, no, you're right. That's how it I goes. Am, I'm an egotistical, like, maniac. It's like, look at me go. And I must ask you as a writer, uh-huh. have you ever cried at your own work? Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so sorry that, to admit it. Not because I thought what I wrote was so beautiful, though. Right. It was It was mainly because it was like I had written something really sad that came from a... Uh, a place yeah and i think that's that's how i read the scene is that she's not crying because she's so full of herself she's crying because she's stumbled onto something beautiful that she's like, like discovering deep, right and it's like this deep-seated need that maybe subconsciously maybe consciously she knows is part of her where she's like this this moment is so beautiful it's what i want but don't have yeah you know it's it's a mix of emotions i've cried over characters that i've conceived of and i've cried over their circumstance that and it's for me writing is like chiseling away at something and be like oh here's the here's character. the heart yeah and you don't really know what you're making until it's there and that's what i've cried over it's like i found this very sad person You've, we, we've just stumbled across the podcast that are two writers talking about a writer who is having an epiphany in their epiphanies. And wh- what else did you think you were going to get on it? Right. But a uh, great setup for us. We're like, yep. Like we, yeah. we automatically just related to this woman. And um, oh, I do have to say, I usually make myself laugh a lot more than... I make myself cry. <laughs> the laughing is fucking egotistical. It because is. Because I'll laugh. you like, God, look at me go. <laughs> like, it's just like, like, I'm hilarious. Every once in a while, I'll like take a screen, a screen cap of like a set of dialogue sans context <laughs> Ooh, that's and good. send it to Robin. And I'll be like, pretty funny, right? And she's like, I just don't know what's going on in the scene yet because you sent me two lines of dialogue. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we're sons of bitches. So you get that Kathleen Turner, she's just finished a book. She's written a lot of other books. She lives in a nice New York apartment. I, I like it because it's like she's obvi- she's not a shut-in, but she's pretty lonely because she seems to just write and be with her cat, and yeah. that's her life. And she likes drinking. Mm-hmm. She, <laughs> who can... I think this is the best bit of uh, art design that I've seen in a while. Most of her bottles of alcohol, she has wine, but a lot of her other bottles of alcohol are single bottles like tiny bottles which just further illustrates how alone she is yeah yeah she's not cracking i mean even though alcohol lasts a long time it's fine dearest but Mm -hmm. you know she can just crack one open and be like this is this is for me yeah this is for mama so she finished her manuscript she turns it into holland taylor her publisher aka the lawyer (laughs) professor from legally blonde they they go to this fancy bar and the only reason i want to talk about it because it's a nothing scene where she's just like oh you're a great writer and she's like yes i am Mm -hmm. um but she's drinking a grasshopper which forgot about grasshoppers it's it made me want to go out on the town because you only drink grasshoppers at like speakeasies or like old-fashioned bars (laughs) grasshoppers are like the fancy fancier version of white russians where it's like (laughs) yeah super rich and like Uh super just yeah like I, you shouldn't drink more than one in a row. But right. every time I go to a restaurant where they're like, "I have grasshoppers," I'm like, "I'll have five, please," because <laughs> <laughs> you never see them anymore. Right, exactly. Um, but I, I, right off the bat, I think Kathleen Turner is just embodying this role in a way that 
it seems like we get so much more in the 80s mm-hmm. where these don't seem like actors per se. They're not like playing big roles. These are just characters. Yeah. 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 I love just the 80s-ness of it all. Oh, yeah. and we should say also this movie produced by Michael Douglas. Yes. I just want to get this off. Um, His brother ad did it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Love it. Son of Kirk Douglas, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Spartacus. Grandson of Mortimus Douglas, <laughs> aka Spartacus's dad. <laughs> um, Michael Douglas was actually a seasoned producer by this time. Yes. He started producing way back in the seventies with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest yep. and won Oscars. So, which his brother also worked on. The dude, dude knows what he's doing. Yes, and you can also tell in this production, like it's just professional all across the board. And he knows our he knows our genre because this is the second one that we've done with him. The first one being the American President, right? Right, right. and he Robin- gets it. Robin very specifically, as soon as we see Michael Douglas show up later in the movie, she's like, I see that Michael Douglas gets sexier as he ages. <laughs> because like he does look kind of goofy in this. He does. But in a very relatable way, yeah. like an everyman way. And uh, like film... a you and me way. What I'm saying is we're as attractive as Michael Douglas. We can have this. We can have this life. <laughs> um, it's also directed by Robert Zemeckis, who directed Back, Back to, to the, the Future. Future. And uh Roger Rabbit and Tom Hanks on a train Tom Hanks on a train <laughs> Tom Hanks in life and Forrest Gump and uh less successful movies like Welcome to Marwood don't know what happened there but we'll move on or or uh Beowulf right the animated <laughs> Beowulf the animated show um I by the way someone I was at a company party and there was mead there and they're like what is mead I'm like ah back in the halls of Hrothgar what I tell you and they're like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> Like, oh, you're not an English major too? <laughs> it's it's honey wine. It's basically honey wine. Yeah. So um did you could you tell that it was a Robert Zemeckis production from the first frame like I did? Yeah, there's something like it definitely feels different than his other projects in <laughs> a in in just like color or or scope, but there's something about the smell of it that feels Zemeckisy. The smell of it, yeah. and music also by mm, Alan mm, mm, for the smell of it. <laughs> music is Alan Silvestri, who has written one of my favorite themes, which is the Back, Back to the, the Future, Future theme, theme. Yeah. Um, and he's also the composer of the Avengers theme. So wow, there's that. But this is not vintage uh, Silvestri. This is like this is Paycheck Silvestri. This is yeah. '80s like jingle soundtrack. I love it. It's like, like wow. I, I, I really liked it because it's like. Oh man, isn't an 80s film when it has a soundtrack like this? So yeah, when when half of the synths are just like screeching or like wowing a lot. It's very like smooth jazz elevator music. If you listen to Joe Hisaishi, one of my favorite composers, as like I love Silvestri too, but um, he does all the music for uh, Miyazaki. Mm -hmm. And his 80s stuff sounds incredibly like this just because they're using similar instruments. Right, right. I love it. So basically what happens is while she's away, um, evil 
Zolo shows up to her apartment. Um, and he's this this guy with a mustache, and he's got like one of those coats that everybody seemed to have in the 80s, where it was like proto David Tennant, Doctor Who. Um, like, uh, what do you call those coats? Sarah wears them. Uh, they're like the long coats. Leather jackets? No, the long coats that go down to trenches. your ankles. Trench trenches. Coats. He's wearing a trench coat, but that like kind of beige trench coat where it's like, you're either a murderer mm-hmm. or you work on. like boring business right 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 um and he shows up and he's like rooting through her apartment and he kills the super who's just (laughs) curious about what she's doing hey get out of there and he's he's pretty he's got a good evil stink face good evil eye i really like the cinematography throughout because they really light this guy in such a dark brooding ominous yeah they've always got like that hat shadow going over his face just a little bit love it and so he ruins her apartment and she shows up and it's like, oh no. But luckily she got what he was looking for before he got there. Mm-hmm. And it was this map from her sister's husband who was just killed. And now her sister has been taken captive by Danny DeVito. Ah! Oh no, down in Colombia. <laughs> so I just realized this, this thing is lifted by Indiana Jones 3. Oh it's yeah, where he shows up at his apartment. Yeah, 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 totally. But-, but uh, Indiana Jones Sr. sends the journal mm-hmm. to Junior. Right. And that's what is happening here, where the sister is sending yep. off the special How MacGuffin he, map. Why does he have it? Is it just because he collected his mail before? In Indiana Jones 3? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's something like that. Yeah, I think he gets it at the, at the office. The end of that scene where he loads his gun is oh. just like, it's, it's always in my mind. <laughs> yeah. But, man, Spielberg stealing from his buddy. Yeah, I mean... He basically made Back to the Future happen, so I mean, yeah. Zemeckis owes him one. It's like, I can do this. <laughs> so yeah, so basically, the the plot is that Danny DeVito and Zach Norman are like these two dopey Jersey guys who are down in Colombia for some reason looking for treasure and like raiding like precious artifacts from old temples or something, <laughs> and um, and there's like these crusades that they'll go on too. Sorry, you just mentioned two of the Indiana Jones title. I had to, I had to finish it off. Okay, very good. <laughs> They're raiders of lost arcs. Um, and wild temples. And like Danny DeVito is is like a, kind of a believable character, but Zach Norman is playing this like Miami Vice villain where he's like obsessed with the snappers <laughs> like, of Like if you don't believe crocodiles. us, go on IMDb right now. You'll see his headshot. He's like, ah! Yeah, he literally looks like he's just like, he's like, I got stuck in Miami Vice, actually. <laughs> help I, I, me. Help me. Let me out. Look at these snappers, will you? Look at those snappers, Ralph. Look at those snappers, will you? Basically, Kathleen Turner is told, like, we're going we're gonna to kill your sister unless you come bring us the map. And so she hoofs it down to Colombia. But luckily, Zolo's been following her and sends her not to Cartagena, but to like somewhere else. And yeah, he's trying to what we're eventually figured out is that he's trying to steal the map because it's not quite clear if he's working on behalf of Danny DeVito's yeah. crew or, or just a, another adversary. And, until we see Danny DeVito miss her. Yeah. And like nobody knows that the great thing about the bad guys in this movie is nobody knows who's going after what at the beginning of this film. Right. There's just a lot of sneaking around. And now what Zolo does is he plays the role of guy on bus who tells you, oh, your perfume smells really nice. Mm. And he just watches her on the bus. What is the Lord of the Rings quote when they're talking about Strider and they're like, he should 
feel seem fair but, but feel, feel fouler. fouler. Yeah, well, you seem foul but feel fair. Right. Right. And so this guy is playing the opposite of Aragorn. Yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. He's like all like super suave and super smooth with her, and like she's that like just, you've you've got a long coat. Yeah, and that's just like, <laughs> oh, what do you want? Like uh, yeah. that just creeps me out. Yeah, for sure. Like there's just something about somebody who's you can be kind, but overly helpful, like insistently helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And so uh, she does this thing where she like is is for sure sure that she's not in the right place and goes and distracts the bus driver into crashing <laughs> and i love how everybody gets off the bus as if this happens all the time it's like god damn it one not another one not another bus crash they all walk to where all these birds are who like th- there's all these birds in cages because they've just run into a truck with a bunch of birds in cages and all of the people there are like birds in cages we'll pick <laughs> these up and so they take all the birds in cages with them up the road <laughs> And I'm, I'm just sitting there looking at the screen being like, well, those aren't your birds. There's, they're, Well, they're nature's birds, but still, they're not your birds. There's a lot of logical jumps that it's <laughs> like, they just decided that this was the thing. And I'll come back to that later where there's the movie just kind of assumes some logic for you. It's like, okay, like, yeah. I don't need to think about this, but okay. It's, it's, it's not, I don't think it's to the movie's detriment, though. No. No. And that's what, I think a good adventure movie doesn't always have to make sense. Correct. Yeah, there's... Like, not every adventure movie needs to be Indiana Jones. Right. It just needs to be continually fun, and the characters need to be believable, which this movie is. Yeah. So, like, after the bus crashes, Zolo's all like, don't don't even worry about it, man. Hey, hey, uh, (laughs) Hey, now I'm from New York, too. Yo. Uh, he's, He's all slimy and stuff, and he's like, don't even worry about it. They're idiots. I'm the smart one. You just hang out here. Another bus will be by. And he kind of peasant shames them. Um, right. But then he's like, give me the map. Yeah. And he's such a creepy dude. And who should stumble into our scene? Jack Colton. Jack Colton, which is a cowboy name if I've ever heard one. Mm-hmm. Like whenever you can squeeze like an old cowboy gun, it's somewhere right. into your name. You're probably a cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he is. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let's let's come up with one more. Um, Jack Smith and Weston. <laughs> Jack Winchesterfield. <laughs> Jack Winchester Fieldston Stetson Hat. Stetson Hat. <laughs> Is that that's that's a family name? The third. Okay. Um, Esquire. So he he comes to the rescue simply because Zolo like starts shooting at him, and rather than like you know running away, he's like, "Hell no! You probably tried to steal my birds," and he just. He does that thing where he keeps hitting R1 on the controller. Right. Where he's just like, oh, boom, 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 boom <laughs> with his shotgun. The shotgun has unlimited shells. Right. It's, is it is it a shotgun or a rifle? Like, he couldn't possibly go through so many rounds, right? He's, like, blasting away. Well, unless he's, like, loading every time he cocks it. Yeah. Like, I mean. Maybe. He, maybe. Maybe. Like, I mean, his name is Jack Colton. Yeah, maybe he just knows. Maybe that's what he can do. He knows. He knows. He knows shotguns. Yeah. I guess. And so he saves her. Um, but then we get we get Michael Douglas as a character. Who's Michael Douglas? He's some guy, some American guy, just hanging out in Colombia. He's just an American dude who wants to own a boat one day, mm-hmm. and uh, like he. He was working on a different ship, but you know that that didn't work out for him. And so he's he seems like a guy who's always got a scheme up his up his sleeve, but yeah. not not a con man of any kind. He 
I think this is true. Uh, he's a hero, a classical genre hero, and I'm it, it, like, correct me if I'm wrong. A well, Indiana Jones can get pedantic, but like, but not while he's out in the jungle. He's not pedantic. He's no, pedantic no. in the classroom. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you you like your hero to be simple mm-hmm. and no nonsense, all about the bottom line of like, hey, we don't need it, leave it. Like, right, we're, we're doing this thing. You don't need high heels. Well, Let's go. Because like, if we're if we're cribbing from like Ronin or cowboys, yeah, you, you have. You have these people who can live with so little and and they have so many skills that they can figure out how to get by no matter what. Yeah. Right. And so he he kind of fills that role. He's like, you know, a couple years ago I was on a coffee boat. Now I'm selling birds. And yeah. but I'm also badass enough to carry a gun. He's basically a freelancer. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. You are just like Jack Colton. Thank you. Um, but it reminds me of Jack Reacher. <clears throat> <laughs> I mean, he's a much shorter version, but sure. Uh, but but that's the appeal to a Reacher story is that here's a simple man who's just wandering through town and he's not bogged down by anything, no possessions, no nothing. Is he's Reacher, just here to help. Is Reacher? Yeah. So Reacher's intent in life, though, is to kind of do good. Yeah, he is a wandering, he is a masterless hero. He's a ronin. The reason why I like Michael Douglas so much is that isn't him. He, he's the own master of his own domain. He's yeah. he's still out for number one. Yeah, he's basically, he doesn't want to help this lady until she's like, I'll pay you $375. Yeah. And he's like, I guess that's my price. Yeah, so it's not the motivation, it's the abilities yeah. that we admire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is the moral compass as well. Yeah. Because he... He is out for number one, but not completely. Right. And we would much rather have a, I, I think most of the time for our heroes, we want a rogue with a heart of gold, mm-hmm. like a Han Solo type, yeah. rather than an Aragorn type. Because we always want our Aragorns, but they can only come along every once in a while because otherwise they're not special. Right. Right. Because if, if every hero was written like that, it's like, gosh, boring, but also I don't believe it. But right. Since Aragorn is so perfect, I'm like, you, you can be. Yeah. And no one else. No one else. Like, definitely not Jack Colton. But that's that's the fun thing about this movie is that it's playing on the tropes of romantic adventure stories that she is the writer of. Right. Um, and I'm really getting into genre fiction these past few years. I used to turn my nose up at, as an English major as, you know, I, 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 I did the name drop with Beowulf. You know, I, I proved my bona fides. <laughs> sure. But I'm learning. It's been us bona fides. <laughs> I'm learning to enjoy just straight genre fiction where there's basically no character development. It's all action. It's all fun. It's mm-hmm. all that stuff. This is like playing with that. It's like, well, he's not quite a flat action hero the way that Reacher is. There's no character development in Reacher books. It's right. just fun, fun, fun. Just rock'em sock'em stuff. Mm-hmm. But he has the best of both worlds where it's like, okay, we want him to grow because we can see how selfish he is right off the bat uh-huh. and we see where the character development should be. But we also get a movie full of action and full of the genre thrills. So it's like, it's that full-blooded storytelling. Right. And that's what I love so much about it mm-hmm. is it has its cake and it eats it too. Not only with his character, but also with hers. Because what she's playing is not only the writer, but like kind of the mouse with the heart of gold, mm-hmm. I guess I would call her because she, you know, she's not the one to go save people in Colombia, but she has to because she's the only one who can do it. Yeah, she's right? pure of heart. She's pure of heart, so she must go save her sister. But 
she's afraid mm-hmm. and she like doesn't know how to do anything. She's completely out of her element. She's like living in the trope of the high heels in the wrong environment. But this this movie does it right where so many times it's like, oh, I'm wearing high heels and uh, it makes it hard. And this, it makes it hard for her. And then she is taught to adapt yeah. by our hero. And she's not helpless. She's just no, she's inexperienced. Not. Exactly. That's it. She's and that makes her a better character and hero because it's not like she's somebody who like steps up to the plate and is like, no, I've got this just based on my personality and character. Right. It's like she sucks at this until like through through courage, experiment, experience and help, she gets better. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes an interesting character. Yeah. So they work out this deal where she hires him to go help her get to Cartagena. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, why? She's like, don't worry about it. (laughs) He's like, sure. Oh, Uh, okay. (laughs) Um, And there's some fun stuff that happens. Like there's a flash flood and they, fall down this like um, I love it. mudslide so cool Robin and I immediately were like this is the scene that we think of from this movie because we saw it when we were younger and oh. it was so fun yeah totally it, it, it's kind of Goonies-esque in that way yeah, yeah and he falls head first in between her legs and I'm sure as a kid it's like why are you adults laughing <laughs> and it's It's honestly, there's something about rain scenes, especially shot in the 80s. I don't Mm -hmm. know why that I want to be there in that rain. I want to be between those legs. (laughs) But like these two people like and their 80s poofy jackets and their hats just being soaked and in a in a in a time you could be miserable. No, you're in a movie having an adventure. So it's fun. It's great. Yeah. So they get shot at and they have to like run and like. Oh, yeah, because Zolo's after him now. Yeah, he's he seems to be. A secret police slash murderer slash somebody. Just he's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. And we, we, we keep getting this information through Danny DeVito, who's relaying everything back to Zach Norman. Yeah, and Danny DeVito's your lowly like <clears throat> criminal down in Colombia and he doesn't want to get caught by these cop people. But but he's not police. lowly necessarily because like he's also like he said that he and Zach Norman with what they've uh, yeah, been they able to get retire. so far, they can retire already. Yeah. And that's he that's just behaves lowly. Because he's well, is that a short joke about sorry, Danny, DeVito? Danny DeVito? Come on, sorry. you're better, Ryan. You're better, I'm better than, than that. that. You're sorry. six foot tall and you're better than that. I saw Danny DeVito once in real life. Oh, really? Yeah, is he cool? Um, I was like 300 feet away, but I saw him. <laughs> Are you sure it was Danny DeVito? Do you know, this is this is pretty amazing actually. But I once saw Ringo Starr. Where was that? Kensington High Street. At least I think it was Ringo, it might have been that man from um. Fiddler on the Roof. You know, Toppy. Topol. Yes. That's right. Topol. I was an extra on a film set for like a second. And mm-hmm. like, I was just on the Santa Monica Pier. They're like, you want to go in front of the camera? I'm like, okay. Was it twins? No, it was something that he was directing. And I saw Danny DeVito like being like, let's go over here and direct things. And I'm like, cool. Cool. So yeah, they're they're chased until they basically get to this um, downed plane in the middle of the jungle. Lost style. Yeah, totally. Um, but instead of heroin being in there, it's just weed. It's just marijuana. Marijuana, tequila, and a bunch of old Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of have that, like this is where, like this this movie is such a good commentary on like the the journey because this is where she starts falling for him, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's a more complicated person and they're both getting drunk and kind of high from like their fire that... Can you do this? They're so, huffing the they're they have a bonfire and they're burning the weed and they're basically huffing it. 
The answer is yes. You can? Okay. However, there's also plastic wrapped around that weed. Right. And so I was like, don't do that. Yeah. That's probably not good for you. Because I have been in many a garage where everyone's smoking weed except for me, and I came out sober as a stick. So Let me tell you what, Ryan. Probably not. <laughs> you might have thought you were, but probably not. <laughs> so that's why I woke up there. <laughs> you were probably just got relaxed. <laughs> you square. <laughs> Um, but yeah, basically, basically like she starts falling for him, uh, but then gets like super drunk and passes out. And I love that she just like this bit of physical comedy where she falls into her face, like <laughs> yeah. basically. And he, at, at that point in time, studies the map and doesn't fix her. <laughs> he it's looks good. at her for a second. I'm like, don't be problematic movie. Don't be outdated. And, it doesn't. and it's like, whoo. Yes. There were so many opportunities where it could have been outdated and problematic and just skipped it every time. Yeah. Good job, movie. Really (laughs) Really. good job. Way to go. Way to be. For 1984, really good job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they get to know each other and just more adventuring and i can't i can't keep it all in my head because it's it's like an indiana jones thing where it's like one thing after the other and if i'd seen this movie enough times i could remember the exact sequence of events well i i think one one big part of it is that they like where she kind of starts to show her gumption and maybe maybe this happened before the plane i don't know i can't remember right but um she crosses the bridge yeah it's so good and he's like He's in a losing situation. They're, they're not going to win against all these people with guns. And she ends up getting halfway across the bridge and then messing up, but then swinging all the way across on a vine. Yeah. And it's like, yes, adventure, adventure. Way like, to go. Like the only thing this movie was missing from its like adventure checklist was probably like quicksand. Right, right. Probably. And maybe that's in the sequel. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, there's a sequel. Not directed by Robert Zemeckis, so not mm. interested. But still, I mean, still, still the same actors. Yeah, it's got like a five on IMDb. It's like, oh, that's not a good sign. I still want to watch it. Yeah. Like, I could watch these two with each other. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Basically, there's the the rope swinging. They get to the town. They get to the is it? They get to the town and with they Juan. get and they get followed by these people. And he's like, hombre, hombre. It's yeah. like. Whew, just, it, yeah, it's 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 kind of creepy, but then like they get to Juan's um bodega? What? No, it's what's is a it's like kind of a rancho. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice place. Yeah, it's a nice place and you kind of get that he's he's either a criminal or a landlord or something, but Juan is so fun. Yeah. And he it turns out <coughs> big so fan. They're going to this house to get a car. Right. So that they can rent or borrow the car so they can get to Cartagena, get mm-hmm. to the town they need to do things in. Um, and this guy at first is like, fuck off. But then he's like, oh, my gosh. Joe it's Wilder. John Wilder. And he's a huge fan. And he tells like the gang, it's like, this is the woman's books I've been reading to you. On and, Saturdays. And the gang is like, hi. They're so they, like, it's super friendly. You it's can great. only really do this in this genre. Yeah, it's so great. But like the the other time that we've seen this happen in rom-coms which i'm i'm gonna say this is an adventure rom-com yeah the only other time we've seen this is when in a castle for christmas you know she's in the town and everybody's like you're that author we all know it that i don't know why but that seems too convenient whereas this is like unexpected right and so it's not but it's it's see that's the thing it's like um i'm trying to think the rule what rule? Which rule? Where, like, coincidence shouldn't get you out of trouble. Sure. Um, but I'm trying to think of 
in today's day and age, a rom- there's the romance novelists are sorry, a dime a dozen a little bit sure. where there's just so much, especially with eBooks and sure. there's, it's just so but prolific. The 80s. That was like, there was just a few authors who cornered the market. Um, uh, Kathleen Kelly. No, no. but, but <laughs> Nora like, Roberts, Nora Roberts. Yes. And like, I feel like if you had her book, you probably would have her headshot. Like, well, I, because they were always on the sleeves, right? Like, if I saw Lee Child, who wrote all the Jack Reacher stories, if I saw him on the street, I would recognize him. And this this movie is kind of saying, this is one of the most successful writers of genre fiction. Mm-hmm. And that's what Lee Child is. Is He is one of the top 10 selling novelists of all time at this point. Of all time? Um, that's, that's pretty big. Maybe of all say. time, but of like... <laughs> Of anyone of, writing of today, recent, like okay. Stephen King, all those guys, he's sure. he's up there. Okay. And I would recognize Lee Child. I wouldn't recognize Brooke Shields, but I would recognize Lee Child. And I think in the 80s, it's not too much of a stretch to say, no, she is the tops. People would recognize her. Yeah, it is weird, though, because like she, she doesn't seem really rich, right. but she kind of should. Right. But also, she doesn't know the word Corazon. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things where, where it's like, where it's like, what is that? I'm like, it's mother's milk. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. All the things. Like, like you should know that. know that because you write about the American Southwest. Right. You must have written the word Corazon at yeah. one point in time. Like, there's there's no way you don't know that word. Right. Maybe maybe she blew all her money on like cat oh, food or something. Oh, cat food. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who knows? Who but, knows? I mean. But that makes it more realistic. Grasshoppers. But grasshoppers and New York real estate is expensive. That's like, true. Like That's... if she was living in a more middle class city. It was city, the dirty she... 80s though. Uh, yeah. But 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 at the same time, like maybe she's like she's not from she's not a California writer. She's a New York writer. She's like, I just write the story. I don't care about the details. Come on. So yeah. My editor writes Corazon. <laughs> they do the Corazon talk. And so then there's this extended escape scene where Zolo is following like them escaping on the little mule. My parents always used to quote this to us where uh, where Don't you love that? This yeah. is such a my parents liked this movie kind yeah. of movie. And and it was one I liked too growing up. Yeah. So like I love coming back to it. But when 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 he jumps over the river, mm-hmm. um, he says Lupe's escape. And <laughs> and so my parents, whenever we'd like do anything that was like we go over a bump in the road that was too big, they'd be like Lupe's escape. <laughs> this is one of those sequences that the movie didn't actually set up properly, but it doesn't matter because what they show us is yeah yeah the, no you're right the armed forces get there and they're like. They're casually talking to him. They're like, by the way, do you have a car? He's like, oh, yes, the little mule. And cut to boom. boom. <laughs> it's just like, like let's get out of here. It's they like, don't even know they're there yet. How but did you we know just there was to, a threat? We just have to like understand that since he owns this town, maybe they got word. Right. I guess. But they didn't show us the B of this ABC. But yeah. whatever. It's fine. Yeah. And so um, then they, they kind of get that they're like following the map a little bit. And at this point in time, Michael Douglas is like, maybe we should get the stone. Get the stone. And he's still kind of playing it both ways where he's like, we can take care of your sister, but maybe I'll get the stone and oh, whatever. Okay, we can pay for the pay he, for the boat. And he's he's still kind of not sure if he's going to get the stone on his own because he keeps asking like if someone's got a Xerox machine. Mm-hmm. And this is brilliant. Why has this not come up in more modern adventures movies? Of course, they didn't have Xerox in Indiana Jones Day, but it's like I feel like 
your Goonies or your other adventure stories, like we have this one map. There's no other way to trace right. this. It's like get a Xerox, well, you idiot. I, I love those scenes in the movies that they don't have like Xeroxes, and what they do is they have like a piece of paper and like some charcoal or yeah, something, they and they do it. an actual like yeah. like scrape over a rock. Yeah, right. That's some Indiana Jones stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but it was it was it was well done because like Robin, I think Robin was just taking a drink and she like missed that he asked about a Xerox in the hotel, mm-hmm. and so she didn't know at first that there was a, a a copy of the map. And I'm like, yeah, this is this movie's like with all of its like craziness. It's also like trying to be kind of subtle. Yeah, yeah. So um, they the, end up in the town. They get to the town. There's this great dance sequence, and they're still kind of navigating like trust. Right. It's, it's she's like. Are you still out for number one, or are we in this together? And he's like, "We're in this together, baby." And he—that's when he decides, like, "Okay, I'm not going to pursue this on my own, I'm right?" Because pursue at one, it with her, like, he was at one point in time, like, <laughs> actually, the time he decides it, this is how you know he's really like in it to win it, is post coitus. <laughs> he's on top of her, and he's like, "You know what? I'm going to take this map that I was going to take. Nah, I'm not, not going to take, take it, it anymore." So. He's maybe he was just waiting to figure out whether they were compatible. <laughs> like, I don't know. Now that we've doinked, now now that I can. Danny DeVito also does get beat up because he's trying to steal the map, and some lady takes huge umbrage about him being under her table. She's not just weirded out. She's like, "I'm gonna beat the crap out of Danny DeVito." Poor Danny. Then DeVito. she hits the poor waiter who's just like, "I'm trying to figure out what's going on." He's like, here. "You're a crazy lady." So anyway, they escape because Zolo's like after him um they steal danny devito's car while he's sleeping in while it. he's sleeping in it and then they like get to the waterfall that you know another good scene where they're like i like this like epic wide shot where we barely see them in this the the pool underneath yeah. the the waterfall and they get into the waterfall and they dig up the the gem which is like like an emerald the size of a baseball basically i wish i wish michael douglas had a, a line of like that's a Blah blah blah, emerald. It's worth this yeah this much, much money because it it would be nice to know that like you know that's you know twenty million dollars <laughs> yeah, like, or something that looks nice. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, it's pretty. Yeah. Um, but it's very apparently valuable to a lot of people in this movie. So there you go. The value is in how much somebody wants something. Really, it's in El Corazon. Really. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it is in El Corazon for sure. Um, so a bunch of hijinks happen. There's a chase scene. They end up on other sides of a river after a giant jump down a waterfall. Yeah, and she's um, like, "You're you don't care about me." He's like, "You go there. I'm like, gonna be there." We'll too. meet at the Hotel Cartagena. We've said this <laughs> word so many times in this movie. We have to get there. Mm-hmm. And so there's a little bit of trust issue and he doesn't show up at the hotel. And so she has to go deliver this map to the sister. Yeah. Yeah. Who's on this island with Ira. And they do this thing where they they do the trade off of like the map and she gets the sister back. And the bad guy's like, you can go. Can go. And they're like the delivery was like, oh, that was actually fresh. Like yeah, usually yeah. Disney movies try to do this where it's like. Oh, bad, scary, not scary. And, and I think the reason why it plays is because as annoying as Ira's character has been the whole time, he's that kind of crazy. Right. So I believe that this character is eccentric enough to want to scare these people, but then be like, Zolo, no, you're good. Zola wouldn't do that. No, no, no. We built all. that up, but yeah. we understand the other guy c- could do that. Yeah. But then they all get <sighs> cornered. Michael Douglas Act does show up and the Emerald comes out and oh, <laughs> I love it. It's like, show us the emerald. Where is it? And he's like, it's somewhere safe. And then he gets kicked in the nuts. And Michael Douglas is like, oh. <laughs> and then it rolls down his pants. It's very good. 
Um, and I mean, eventually there's a firefight that happens and Zolo gets his hand bitten off Captain Hook style. Oh man, it's grody too. Like it's, it's awesome. This is like in a PG 13 movie. <laughs> this is pretty grody, but like, um, have you, have you read a lot of, like you've read some Louis L'Amour, you've read some like genre fiction adventure stories. Like yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is just hitting those notes for me. I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm liking from my grungy B level. Like just like, this is what early Dresden happening. files sounds. It reads like, you, oh, sh- you yeah. should read more. Dresden. Okay. I read one. I read, read the one. second one. Okay. But, but this is, this is like just great adventure stuff this right. this third act love it yes and like i mean there's there's a, a big fight scene and michael douglas is chasing this alligator and for some reason it's not silly right like right. i don't know how they <laughs> pull like, this get off the alligator because the alligator has not only eaten the the hand but the the gem with it yeah and so like and zolo's just been following um kathleen turner around not because she has the the gem but just because he's fucking pissed yeah he's and like, he's like I lost my hand. I'll kill you. And so they're fighting and and Michael Douglas is wrestling an alligator. And there's this scene where like we're going to see what kind of hero he is, because we're already determining that Kathleen Turner is more of a fighter than she started out as. Yeah. And the big question is, is Michael Douglas a selfless person uh-huh. or at least isn't always out for right, himself. Right, right. It's a and, good choice part. And there's like 10 seconds where he's debating about letting this alligator go or saving her life. Because the alligator, we should say, imbibed the emerald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, like, she could have been killed in this 10 seconds yeah. where he could have saved her. And so he's definitely not a perfect person, but he chooses her in the end. And I, he goes to get the gun to take a shot. And then when he goes to take a shot, he's out of bullets, which is such a great movie moment. Yes. Cause like, we're all waiting, like take the shot, take the shot. And then, Oh, there's it, no bullets. I, I really think it would have sucked if he shot him right there because yeah. it really would have just been, Oh, that threat was easy. He saved her. Right. Right. So he tries climbing up after he doesn't get there, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> he really, he tries to climb that wall and I'm like, I don't think you're going to make it. And he doesn't. Steep, I'm like, man. okay, that's great. But Kathleen Turner kicks him into the pit of Crocs, crocodile. The pit of Croc despair. Crocodile tears. Yeah. And um, this is after she tries to pull her, her knife trick that she wrote into the book. Yeah. That was such a good moment. And that would have been a good, I, I like how this movie, see, as we were talking about endings last week uh-huh. with, I want you back. Yeah. Where it's like, ah, the thing we were referring to. Right. And this, so this it would was have been a, too clean if she killed him with the knife trick. And this would, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. And just end it. Just do something interesting. And like kicking him into a pit of crocodiles, it's not a throwback to anything. Exactly. I mean, they set it up where they were if, talking about it earlier. If, if she killed Ira via the crocodiles, maybe that would have been a bit much. Right, right. But, but yeah, this is just a good fight scene mm-hmm. where, like, I mean... That wood grate breaks pretty easily. Right. It shouldn't have. But still, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. And it's a very Indiana Jones-esque way to die. Right. And then Michael Douglas kisses her and she's like, what about me? <laughs> and he's like, no, babe, I got to go. And so mainly because he's like, you know, I can't get arrested here. Yeah. But really what he's doing is going after that croc. Right. But also very adventure hero like... I got to move on to the next town. You never know where I'll be next. And just but rides wh- off in the sunset. Where he'll be, though, is New York City. Ah, it's very Crocodile Dundee style way of doing things. It is. and I, Because he's literally in crocodile boots. Yeah. yeah. And like she writes a book about it. And, you know, her manager's like, this is going to make you buco bucks. Mm-hmm. But then Michael Douglas shows up in the boat that he's always talked about being towed through New York. And it's just like. <laughs> 
Hell yeah. Like, so cool. what a move. Yeah. And then credits, boom, over. And I think that throws us right on over to Trope Talk. And we're back with Trope Talk. It's like Croc Talk, except this time they will eat you. I love it. Well, I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't want them to eat you, but they will eat you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's inevitable. Just don't go to Florida. Everyone gets eaten by a croc. No, it's gators in Florida. I don't know where crocs are. Right? Because the gators. Crocagator. Trope Talk is i don't i don't have a name for this okay you explain it i'll come up with a name i'm great at naming basically it's the hero and heroine Mm -hmm. went through adventure so love (laughs) and it's basically any james bond story i got it i got it okay hard time love yes (laughs) those are just four separate words strung together but i'll take it (laughs) Uh, it's it's any kind of adventure story where your protagonists fall in love, and yes. it's because of the thing that they went through, and now they're in love. Right, where, sure, they fell in like during the thing. Like, there there are things to like about each other. We're both sexy. You have dreams. I have dreams. We, okay, well, we don't have a lot in common <laughs> besides that, So, but we did go through this crazy thing and survive together. And so what I think... This genre is trying to tell us through all of this is if you can survive this, you can survive being in love. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a good example of it being done competently versus being done almost beyond the trope that it's not the trope is if you take two James Bond movies, if you take Goldeneye versus Casino Royale, Mm -hmm. Goldeneye, it's Pierce Brosnan's first Bond film. There's this crazy plot where... A former partner of James Bond is trying to use satellites to cripple things, cripple the power and steal money and blah, 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 blah. And he's working with a Russian computer scientist to help him. And Boris. They, and they go through things and they fall in love and movies over, whatever, blah. Mm-hmm. Whereas, Well, there's also the lady who tries to crush you with her thighs. Yes. And like in comparison with her, Bond's obviously going to fall in love with the one who doesn't do that. Right. You right. don't want to... Death by thighs. Is her last name on a top? Zenya on the top. Okay. And you can play her in the game. Okay. <laughs> um, whereas Casino Royale, it almost supersedes the trope because, again, it's Bond and a Bond girl and they fall in love. But theirs is not because of, oh, we went on such a wild adventure with each other. Theirs is like the exception to the rule where it's a tragic love story and it's not because of what they go through. It's because of who they are as characters. And they start falling in like with each other before the real adventure happens. Then they go through shared trauma. Yeah. And then he sacrifices himself for her. So it it does follow the the same line of thought. Right. It's just the ending is different. Right. But it's still most of the time in these Bond movies or these Indiana Jones movies, it's just this rollicking ride, and at the end of it, it's like, wow, I'm and I'm in love with you too. Like it, it, they don't really. I love when he's in love with Sala at the end, and he they ride off into the sunset together at the end of the last. One. I like him. I like him ending up with Sala. A British tar is a soaring soul as free as a mountain bird. His energetic fist should be ready. Me, I mean, I like, I like that that last movie. It's like, no, the person you thought he was going to be in love with is a Nazi and evil, and she dies, and he's <laughs> with his bed, his buds, and his dad now. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's the ultimate Father's Day movie. <laughs> hmm. 
Hmm. Uh, but this romance in the stone, the romance of this movie is not really deep. It's just Mm-mm. they have such rollicking adventures together, and they dance once, and they doink, and it's just like, yeah, and they love each other. Yeah, honestly, I I couldn't say that if I went through all of this with someone, I wouldn't fall in love with them either. Right. It's well, it's kind of like having a work wife. It's like you know you spend so much time together and you go through so much. Yeah, you know, know, it's just what can you do? See, that's why I work from home now. <laughs> I already found my Pam Beasley. I don't need any more. My my wife is my work wife now. Robin's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I'm not. Uh, she's my baby's mama. <laughs> she is that. She is. Um, but yeah, there's. Did you feel there's anything lacking when we have romances like this? Because <sighs> what what happened is I watched Casino Royale and then I watched Goldeneye, and it's like, oh man, this is the romance between Bond and this Bond girl. It's like, yes, romance, but it's like it's so flat and there's nothing to it. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, they went through such stuff together, and that's it. Whereas whereas other movies where Indiana Jones one, it's it actually is very sweet. Well, yeah, because they have history together. Yeah, um, I I prefer. I prefer my romances to have depth, but this movie kind of teaches you, I think teaches you how to watch it pretty early on Mm -hmm. from its first scene where it's like, Hey, this is going to be a little Harlequin romance. And so anything that gets deeper than that is, you know, a a million times deeper. It feels a million times deeper because like the, the guy that saves the girl in that first scene from the book is like he's he he literally saves her life and then she's like oh oh my gosh you're amazing and they ride off in the sunset together but we know nothing about them it's just right. the the ideal of going through an adventure being with someone you feel safe with and then living a life of love yeah and any any time you can make people more realistic and know a little bit more about them after that point, it's going to feel deeper. And I think that's the trick of this movie. Do you, how do you feel about stories that are going for that more <clears throat> cathartic pleasure, the more surface level pleasure of like, of the, the real, I mean, the, kind of the Harlequin romance stuff of like, you're just kind of wanting that sensation of sexiness. Are you, are you talking about something like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey? Or, no, no, but like, like in a Reacher story, there's always a girl, and uh-huh. it's never deep. Uh-huh. They are trying to solve a mystery it's together. Like an episode of CSI, but but better. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always like a sexy scene, and half the time it works, the other half the time it doesn't, and it's weird for. It's weird for Reacher books because it's like, I don't want Lee Child turning me on, but here I am. Because <laughs> <I'm>, you're <laughs> reading like... here he is in the room with me and... But that's kind of the pleasure of stories like this where it's like the fantasy element of like of falling for I, someone, but it's not it's not this deep-seated... It's not a Jane Eyre or a Jane Austen kind of story. It's like, I just want something I, pleasurable. Yeah, I hear, I hear what you're saying. And I, I think I like... I I'm here for those kind of movies. I have a lot of fun watching them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but if that kind of film can surprise me by giving me more like a casino Royale yeah. or uh, I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to find a movie that I know that you've also seen that is like this. Cause I was going to bring up King Arthur, which the romance is not deep at all. 
Um, no, but, but like, but, uh, but like, I, I want to find a comparison. Movie what's the Heath like Ledger that. one? The um, oh yeah yeah okay. Um, I was gonna Night's say Tale. yeah I was gonna say First Night First Night's Tale with Richard Gere. No, A Night's Tale, and <laughs> and and that's that's like I said like last week. It's like this is just the pleasure of what they these two are going through. I, I just love them together. Sure. Yeah, and and like it's not a real really deep romance but it did oh. give me more right than this movie did just by virtue of i don't know they they spent more mundane time together it wasn't just a romp yeah yeah right. but this that this movie just threads that needle where it's like it's more than a sensual thing but it's not so deep that it's a tragic romance like casino royale or i mean it doesn't even need to get tragic right, right. it just like it's just not more deep as in we don't know whether the other person wants to have kids. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. it's like, we don't get into that. So, And so I think there's a lot of room in this genre for having fun. I think the the movies I don't like are the ones that stay on a surface level like this, but are dedicated to romance, like yeah. A Castle for Christmas, Right. since we brought it up earlier, where it's like... Like you guys think you're being deep right now, but you're really just going through the motions. Yeah, and I can I can feel more out of this movie, and I shouldn't be able to. Yeah, and I think I think there's a lot of books or movies or any kind of stories where it's it has characters that are sexy, but that doesn't make it sensual, sexy storytelling. No, and I think a lot of Bond old Bond movies totally fail at that. It's like you can't just have a sexy Bond girl and like your suave Bond. And just be like, done. Like it's 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 sexy, it's sensual. It's like you gotta you gotta do what this movie's doing. I mean, like, Roger Ebert would disagree with you, but <laughs> but you gotta you gotta you gotta do more to like. You don't have to have deep talks, but you have to have them go on this adventure together. See them look at each other the way that they look. You know, at each other. I'm surprised we haven't. I'm surprised we haven't talked about this yet. But this is kind of Star Wars. Uh, okay. So Han and Leia. Yeah. Like, okay, it takes a couple of movies, so it's it's not a perfect comp. But right. like their arc of falling in love happens over the course of years. And but it's all amidst from what we see, adventure, right? Mm-hmm. They're going on all these adventures together. It's the same thing. He sacrifices himself for her in a manner of speaking. He gets frozen in carbonite. You know, he they're always arguing back and forth. They they have different personalities. They they shouldn't really be in a relationship together because from the outside because they're always fighting right they wouldn't they wouldn't be in a relationship if they were just working together at dunder mifflin exactly but since they've been through so much it kind of forges a a bond between them that like i I don't know what it is it it's like it's like through the fire we are melted together right like maybe our bonds our molecular bonds wouldn't have worked if you just slapped us together as swords but if you melt us enough and then reforge us, we are something stronger than before. Well, I think a lot of romance stories are like that, where it's like, if you had met under different circumstances, would you still have worked out in a relationship? Because, like, think about forgetting Sarah Marshall. He meets Mila Kunis, and she sees a circumstance at hand. Right. And And so she takes that opportunity to get to know him because of it. But if they, like, met at a coffee shop and none of that other stuff was going on, no. would they have that spark? She'd be like, do you surf? He's like, nah, nah. I don't really feel like that. I usually spend time in my apartment. Bye. And she's like, okay, you're boring. <laughs> and so I think I think there's that element yeah. in all romance stories of the circumstance. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and that's what maybe makes adventure m- movies like this so much fun is the circumstances are so crazy Yeah, that 
we can't help but be swept along in the romance of it as well as our main characters. And it's like the daydream we have when we're in like junior high and high school and we're on family vacation. I'm not saying like, oh, no, I wish I could no, go on this I know this together. daydream. Yeah. But it's like, I'm at the beach. I'm stuck with my boring ass family. Wouldn't it be great if I just met this girl and like, I don't know, we could go downtown and like, you know, get and she can save me like, and- she can save me from boredom like, uh, Michael Douglas saves Kathleen Turner but that's from what, Mr. Zola. But that's what 14-year-olds <laughs> fantasize about. And there's you know something to be said about the fantasy of what these characters yeah, are. Yeah, completely. I if you know, if I wasn't happily married, I like and I ended up like in a situation like this, I'd be more than happy to be swept off my feet in a rollicking adventure, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally. And that's the beauty of a cathartic experience like this. Robin, you can still sweep me off my feet. An erotic I believe adventure. It. I can see you, it. You could, you could do that. Do it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Not now, because we have a f- five-month-old, so I'd prefer her to be like, you know, good. Sure. On her own. Want to make sure that's taken care of. Well, that that's our trope. Uh, that's just going to kick us right down the path to uh, the land of Patreon. You wrote an essay this week on our Patreon. I have an essay. It's on Patreon. It's about. It's about nostalgia and Mm. really it's just my defense of be nostalgic fuck people who say you shouldn't live in the past live in the past and enjoy it for me i have certain things that connect me to my past and i think rom-coms can have that strong whiff Mm. of something that brings you back and i didn't watch rom-coms as a child but movies like you've got mail sarah watched since she was little Uh and for her Watching You've Got Mail is a way of connecting to her past self. Yeah. And it's that like uh, continuity, I think, that, that shared experience. I think humans do that a lot with each other, too. When we start dating each other, when we can find things that we bond over, mm-hmm. it it's like, ah, you liked this thing that I liked back then, too. And we have have like years of shared experience liking a thing that isn't shared until now. Yeah. But- but people like get critical of others when you're living in the past and you're only because exper- like people can just like exist only in the 80s. And like you shared this wonderful meme. Oh, of, yeah, that's good. Of like <laughs> just looking at the 80s. And it's like, no, that's a good thing. Like that's staying connected to something. You're not you're not being ignorant of your current state of things per se, but uh, stay connected to your past self. Stay connected to your ancestral self. Stay connected to your parents. Like watching this movie. Mm hmm was a way of connecting to your parents. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Cause you connected to something that they like and it brought back all these memories of yeah, who they are. And that's great. And but, we aren't saying live in the past. No, but they no. all, but also go on, go on trips to the past and enjoy it because there's, that's it's it's important to hold on to your identity like that. Like Marty McFly, go to the past, just come back to the but future. Just go back to the. That's why yeah. it's called. That's why back it's called to that. the future. Um, the other stuff that you can find on Patreon this month, we are doing a bonus episode on the new Pixar movie, Turning Red. Turning Red, which is all sorts of metaphorical. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're really excited about that. It's coming out on Disney Plus um, pretty soon. And so uh, if you want to come check that out over on patreon.com um, slash romcom gents, you can. You can whenever you want. And you can also help pick our next movie for next month. We are currently doing the patron picks with these adventure films. Next week, mm-hmm. we're doing Mr. And Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. True Lies was canceled because James Cameron is a bastard. 
Um, but then we'll also be doing Lost City. Uh, just Lost City. Lost later. City. No D. Yeah. Uh, next month, you get to pick uh, our f- one of the four classics uh, that are presented before you. Uh, we got Philadelphia Story, The Thin Man, My Man Godfrey, An Awful Truth, filled with fast-talking, black-and-white characters. Four by three aspect ratios. It's beautiful. Uh, and A again, lot of drinking <laughs> in a couple of those. Uh, we have a log jam that needs to get broken up. We again have a tie. And mm. we have more voters out there, so I think it will be broken up. Yeah, I I agree. But right now it's tied between Philadelphia Story and Thin Man. My two favorites on there. I I really do want to see Awful Truth one day. And I love my man Godfrey. So I'll be happy with any of these. Well, I just know Rachel's sitting there on her Thin Man vote. She just keeps clicking it. She's like, why won't it go up? Come on. Yeah. So again, that's at patreon.com slash romcom gents. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you're just like, you know what, I I like these dudes and uh, they're giving me something for free a lot and I just want to say thank you somehow. This is a really good way to stay connected, get more content, and also help us keep the lights on over here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. also, uh, we uh, are going to put this more in a formalized poll, but... We want to hear from you, Patreon and non-Patreon alike, uh, of what other kind of bonus episodes you'd like to hear us do. Yeah, yeah. We, um, we've we been thinking about adding, uh, the like, because right now we're going through Gilmore Girls. We're thinking about doing the OC. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really want us to not do that let us know and we'll do yeah. something different but but like i mean the whole reason we're doing we even added you know adventure films to the list is because the patrons were all like do adventure rom-coms you need to add yeah. that so. and basically we'll do what you tell us yeah <laughs> that's the point of the patreon one of one of our patrons connor sullivan basically forced us to do die hard we didn't want to do it but we did not want to we, watch Die Hard. We hate Die we Hard. Can't. No, we love no, Die we Hard. No, we love Die Hard. But he was like, you have to do Die Hard for Christmas. And we're like, okay. All right, we did we'll, it. We'll, did, we'll do it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, come check us out. Um, and, you know, c- come come join the fun. Come to join the fun. Uh, which, you know, now brings us to my favorite new topic. Ooh. I want to give out our weekly... <laughs> Golden Sword Award. She a blessing from the Lord. God be praised. The Golden Sword. Michael Douglas's hair. Oh. <laughs> so what it's not Fabio. It's not mullet. It's not even Riggs from uh, <laughs> Lethal Weapon. What is it? It's something. <laughs> and it's it's this weird thing where it's like, I feel like Sarah didn't watch this with me, but I could easily ask her, like, is Sarah that-? didn't watch it? I feel like Sarah would have loved this. She was like, I, I had to put on my headphones on because it was yeah. so loud. And so she couldn't even hear what I was watching. But she was like watching it when I was giving her a back massage. She's like, what are you watching? Like, she was very curious about it. It's a good movie. Um, But... I would. I bet if I asked her, like, is he attractive? She'd be like, no. <laughs> but yet, in the 80s, somehow this was attractive. And I just got to give mm-hmm. that a shout out and award of, like, somehow you were doing this. I'm giving my golden sword to Kathleen Turner's puffy coat. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. But there's something so emblematically 80s about it. Right. And like, I like that her, like she goes through the transition that like, like they almost go through the opposite transitions where he gets more and more cleaned up while she gets more and more dressed down. Right. 
And I like that she like keeps trying to wear this coat and like take care of her buttons. She's like, I, at one point in time, she's like, I lost no, a button. my button. And I, I think this, this crazy coat that just gets soaked immediately totally. in that, like Colombian rain just deserves the golden sword. Totally. Absolutely. Well, um, I think that brings us to the most classy, the most uh, champagne-worthy rom-com muskers. Or as my son would say, I think Theo's main language is clapping for things. (laughs) We were uh, at Macy's today. I was trying on jeans, and he was in his stroller hanging out with me, and there was like that... um, that trifold mirror. Are these your new jeans? No, no, but okay. they're newer. They're nice. Yeah. But uh, the the changing room had that trifold mirror where, yep. it, and for him, it looked like there were three of them when he was looking at his reflection. Uh-huh. And he would just look at his reflection and just go, yeah. <laughs> like, I think he saw himself as a crowd and thought it was cool to like be a crowd because he just watches Raffi videos all day and just sure. sees crowds of children so i think he thought he was a crowd of children it was like oh my i'm supposed to cheer yeah he's, he's gonna have a rude awakening when he <laughs> finds out he has no clones <laughs> yeah you are you are not multiple people thank god how did we get on that um oh because i was cheering cheering yay because oh, the oscar i'm giving it best editing because this movie editing. is paced great even Impeccably. though the story doesn't always make sense because there's things that characters know things and they shouldn't know things, but whatever. But even that jump that goes straight from them having that conversation to them like blasting out with their truck through all the bad guys, like it's a good edit. Yeah. Even though it makes no sense. I, I can just imagine Michael Douglas just did the production office like, who cares? We can cut that scene. We just want to cut from here He's to like, here. Just do it. <laughs> it's fine. And Robert Zemeckis is like, no, it doesn't make sense in the story. That's my Robert Zemeckis impersonation. <laughs> I've never seen Robert Zemeckis. I don't know what he, looks, know like. What he looks like. He has glasses. It's funny because we've done we've we've spent so much more of our lives knowing about Robert Zemeckis. Mm. We should know what he looks like compared to Lee Child. Yeah, and yet, and yet here we are. See, I know what Jim Butcher would look like. That's my that's my like odd. Do name. you? Yeah. Yeah. See, there you go. Yeah. No. Yeah. That makes should, sense. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna give this best rain. The oh yeah. There's something about filming a rain scene that either feels like it's on a lot or not. And this one just always felt like we were in the middle of a jungle getting rained on in the most Indiana Jonesy best kind of way. Yeah. And I, I love a movie with rain, whether it's like the with nail and I, yeah. Whether it's, um, singing in the rain. I mean, that's obviously <laughs> studio singing rain. in the rain, but, but like anytime I can watch a movie where it's just like a rainy day I'm like, I want to, this makes no sense, but I like adventuring in the rain. It's my favorite way to take a walk. And the way that they did some of these scenes, it had to have been kind of difficult to do in the first place. And they were, unless they were waiting for it to rain, which are, no way, they wouldn't have Well, they were filming that. in, they were filming in Mexico. So like a lot of this was probably on location. Yeah. It's like, how do you rig up a rain machine for all the water they were doing? I, I, I'm impressed. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what the budget was for this movie, but, um, they did a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay, so I mean, is that it? No, that that's all? not it. What else? Important we, what, question of what all. Else, what else could there possibly be, Ryan? We are the rom com gents, so I must ask you, who do you love? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you 
might be more than just good friends. The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. You know what? I'm going with Kathleen Turner in this one. Like, we didn't really talk about how impressive Danny DeVito was, but uh, I think <laughs> he has a, a good pratfall. He does. Oh, but, oh it's really good. Robin yeah. and I were very impressed. Um, he's the one off the counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. very good. Um, but Kathleen Turner is that kind of like, she get me as a writer. Yeah. And I, you know, she's, the thing I like about her is that she's a homebody who will adventure if she must. And mm-hmm. so it reminds me of Robin in that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, I too go with Joan Wilder because Jack Colton, um, you know, he'd want to go hunting and he, he doesn't would... seem like a hunter. What are you talking about? Well, no, but he would get antsy. He would want to like go do things. He's like, let's not, let's just, let's just chill, baby. I, I was f- sure that you were going to say the, the lady in the, um, in the bodice. Oh, oh, her. I like her. Who is her? Do we know who that was? I'm, I'm looking. No, no, I'm I'm not falling. Is it? I'm not falling in love with her. I'm. Hey. That's Harold Ramis. You're just just no, goofing okay. on my IMDb. So, um, she, so the lady who is playing this, um, oh, she's this French, Swedish, Filipino. That'll do it. Yeah, she's. <laughs> She's gorgeous. Her, I'm just going to read her IMDb. Gorgeous, busty, and slender blonde looking Kim, blonde looker, Kimberly Ellen Heron, um, California, blah, blah, blah. She was a playmate. Yeah. So she was, she was obviously cast for the role. Right. No, I'm not falling in love with her. I might buy her issue of Playboy, but I'm not falling in love with her. No, mm. I'm not even doing that. Sarah would be like, why is this Playboy here? <laughs> Why did you do this? <laughs> um, no, You're like it was for research for a movie. But Kathleen Turner is great in this. Like we've already talked about, she's not helpless, but she's no. also not Sandra Bullock in the proposal of like I'm in charge of this operation, and you know, yeah, she she defers, she lies badly. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm I feel very frustrated with modern cinema because they're doing a lot of. Like making very morally perfect characters, yeah. A lot of the time, and I feel like, and and even if they're not morally perfect, they're really good at what they do. But in name, they're bad at what they do. They're like, oh, I'm nerdy. You know, people don't like me. Yeah, they do, Laura Jean. Everybody <laughs> likes you. Everyone likes you. And and in this movie, like you've got this lady who's like sad living at home vicariously living through her own novels Mm -hmm. and she just doesn't know how to survive in the wild she would have died if if this guy didn't come along and save her and she's horrible at lying right but she figures out a way to survive that is so fun and true and wonderful yeah and she's sexy and she's sexy yeah um so uh I do. I want. I want to ask one last question before we go. Oh yeah. Um, basically, it's in regards to my assessment of the movie overall. And yeah, yeah, you said you had something. Well, to the say. question I'm going to po- pose it through is: Am I being a snob? 
Mmm, snobby. I finished the movie and I was like, wow, that was really good. But it didn't leave me like that holy God feeling after coming out of a Back to the Future or an Indiana Jones. Actually, this movie feels more of a Back to the Future 3 where it's like, eh, that was good. <laughs> I, I'm going to say that this is a movie, not a film. Sure, sure. Um, but my the thing I can't put the je ne sais quoi about it mm-hmm. of I think it's a rock solid film and it's uh, almost movie. movie. <laughs> but it almost and this is such a weird thing and this is why I'm asking in my snob. Yeah. It's almost generic in how good it is. Yeah. Well, I think I think part of the part of this is that it's a pumpkin spice latte. Ah. Where it's delicious. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's real good. It's formula done really well. Exactly. It's I I I, I don't like Starbucks coffee. Usually, you know, like it's basic and burned and bad. Yeah. However, you mix the ingredients in the right way, it's going to be good. Yeah, and it's like have you ever seen the sting? Have you seen the sting? Yeah, I've seen the sting. I, I watched the sting a few years ago. I'm like, that's it. That's one of the most classic films of all time. This, Ouch. This, I, I mean, it was the same feeling. It's like, no, I know this is really good, but I'm not revisiting this movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch Ocean's Eleven if I want to watch a movie like this. I think part of part of what movies like the Sting and this film movie movie do is they're a little bit commentaries on movies that came before uh-huh and they're also at the same time original but they're also i think this is why but that doesn't make them unformulaic right and this is why it's not their move it's not the movie's fault that i'm not having the best time of all the time <laughs> you are the best time, time of all the of times, all the times. <laughs> all the times um it's not the movie's fault it's my fault and it's my it's my place in time because i've seen so many Hollywood movies just riff on this formula. Right. And I think, I honestly think that this movie probably is a front runner of a lot of those. Totally. Yeah. Forerunner. 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 Yeah. And a front runner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's my problem. I've just seen so many imitations that this feels like the best imitation, but no, this is the original, not the imitation. It's, it's like when, um, you know, a 15 year old, Uh, that I'll talk to on set or something who's just there for the day. Like somehow, like we're all talking about star Wars and the kids like I watched the original, I watched a new hope. It just seemed like it was copying a bunch of other movies. And I was like, Oh, like what other movies? (laughs) And all the movies that he listed were like after star Wars, which is not his fault. He was just an idiot, (laughs) but like, he's just a young kid who's like learning. And um, I, I feel like there's a little bit of that probably with me as well i was lucky enough to watch it from a kid so i do have nostalgia for it so i know it's not great but it does give me the warm fuzzies and there's this weird this this weird thing where it's like no die hard isn't a formulaic film when i rewatch it it's just die hard but there's something about romance in the stone or the sting where it still feels generic even though it's the original and so that's why I feel like a stum. Like, why can't I just, why can't I just enjoy the cake? Why can't I just enjoy this movie? Why do I have to get bogged well, down in is the it, details? Is it generic or formulaic? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, I have a bit. But do you, would you revisit this as often as you revisit other adventure movies? When you have that itch, is this going to scratch it? Uh, 
Well, when I want an adventure rom-com, sure. Okay. The the thing is, though, I'll probably revisit this movie like I have the rest of my life once every five or six years. Once it comes up. <laughs> yeah. Like, But not because it's not good. It's just I've seen it enough right. at this point. But the other thing I do like about it is its 80s-ness. Yeah. And that's... Mm. The other day, or the other day, this was a year and a half ago, <laughs> but uh, like early on in the pandemic, I'm like, I need some comfort food cinema. And I threw on The Breakfast Club because like, I need some 80s. I need some 80s. There's, there are so many movies that I'm going back to these days from the 80s just because not just the nostalgia, but the look of them for some reason is more comfortable than today. I think... I think I, I don't want to complain about editing right now, but you gave this movie an, a rom-com Oscar. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're letting sound or our, our, our shots breathe enough these days. And I think it's sometimes very exhausting, not just for old people. I think it's, there's a, there's an inundation in your experience going to the movies these days. Like if you're going, like we watched marry me the other week. Yeah. It's like, I there there wasn't a <laughs> like if you have seizures you know be careful watching this right. movie but there could have been yeah and I think I think the slow pace feels great from the eighties yeah not, not just the look because the look is beautiful too but but I would yeah. I would throw this on my list of a hundred essential eighties movies yeah yeah totally and I think Robin I'd like to the connoisseur of eighties films would. I would hope yeah, Robin would back me one. up. Yeah. Would be like, yeah, you you need to have this in your yeah. if you're if you're venturing through eighties cinema, you need to throw this on. Yeah, um, but next week we are not in the eighties. We're no. going to be plumb in the middle of the two thousands with Woo! is it two thousand five? Maybe I think you're right. Yeah, two thousand five's Mister and Mrs. Smith, starring Brangelina, Brange- Brangelina at their height. Mm-hmm. So um, or probably their beginning, or maybe their middle. I think it's at their beginning. Okay, good for them. Um, but yeah, so we'll be doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, Kelly, I love you so much that I would take a machete and chop off a snake's head when it's coming to poison you. I love you so much that I'd chop your heels off. Oh. Not your like, real, wait, your my, real my, heels. My high heels or my, no, my, your, your heels. my Achilles? So that you can never run away from me. That works. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe. We'll even take a bribe. See you next week on A Gentleman's Guide. Rom-coms. Isn't it? It's because the Gators. Isn't that a sports thing? The Gators. Oh yeah. Right? They they're not like these. They're are not the Crocs. The they're not University the rubber of shoe, Florida the, crocodiles. They're not the rubber shoes that you wear at you know hospital situations. You know. You <laughs> notice that nurses I've, always wear Crocs. Yeah, they're supposed to be comfortable. Have you ever worn one? No, I mean I haven't either. Yeah, I, I mean I would wear crocodile boots. I think it's also so that <laughs> if you cool. if you get blood spilled on you, you can wash them off. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs>